0: Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical and the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern-day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses, sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny. And today I am bubbling with joy to welcome water visionary, water expert, and water priestess Dakota Chanel to the Modern Mystic podcast to talk about all things H2O. Welcome, Dakota.
1: Mm, Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here today.
0: Great to have you. So, the first question that I ask all my guests and I can't wait to hear your answer is what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic?
1: Mm, beautiful. Oh, for me, being a mystic is tapping into that gnosis, that's direct experience, that's beyond what can be taught to us in a textbook or even from another person, but really having this direct connection to the divine, to the mystical, um, whatever that word is that you use for source. And for me, then the ability to bring that wisdom in an accessible way to this modern age. And what a miracle it is to connect to that wisdom and to bring it to this age because it's so deeply needed. We've become so disconnected from the wisdom that lives in our own beings. We've been taught that you know, the authority is outside of ourselves. And truly, the untapped wisdom that lives within is the most powerful compass that I've ever found in my entire life. So I Mm. love bringing that wisdom and that remembrance specifically through the lens of water to empower people to find their way and to create lives that they love.
0: So gorgeous. I loved so many points that you said, but that idea of direct experience, because in so many mystical and spiritual paths, when one is on them, I found even in my own journey, other people will say, well, well, how is it not a religion, right? How is it not something that's an organized um, kind of thing that you have to subscribe to? And that's always my answer. It's, it's, it's your direct mm. experience, right? That's really one of the main differentials between spirituality and religion. And I loved how you spoke to that. It's not that we have to believe in mm. anything to be a mystic. It's like, go out, embody it, try it. And as you spoke of too, so eloquently for yourself, see what see what works for you. That as you put it, untapped wisdom mm-hmm. become tapped and and flow from there with practices and things that bring you into alignment. So such a gorgeous mm. answer. I am such an avid student of water, and it, it was one of the reasons why I was so excited to connect with you today on this podcast because since I was little, I always had an incredible affinity for water, all types of water, ocean, lake, streams, etc. And then as I got older and started to delve into my spiritual practices as a young adult, and started to lead retreats and teach, all this wisdom started to download into my being about ways to work with water in the way of ritual and the way of working with others. And I wanted to start with a little bit of concrete information because it's so easy as mystics go so beautifully out there. But for those listeners who like concrete, detailed intellectual information, I started from this more mystical experiential place of water and psycho-spiritual place of experiencing water and then started to study it in a more scientific way. So one of the things that I thought was so fascinating, and I'd love to to hear you speak a little bit about in your experience, is that water is often considered a liquid crystal at the molecular level. And it's something that because of its geometric patternings at that molecular level and structured patterns inherent into it, that there are actually two types of water. There's what I've read to be called bulk water versus what's called structured water. Sometimes I've read it being called crystalline water, easy water, hexagonal water, even the fourth phase of water, which is like there's gas, there's liquid, there's solid, and then this in-between four state, liquid, solid, a kind of liquid crystal methyl phase. And the solid molecules of water arrange themselves in these crystallographic kind of patterns. And it's my understanding that with these two types of water, for the sake of this conversation, I'm just gonna call it structured water and bulk water. Structured water is the healthiest due to its pure crystalline inner architecture. And the inherent difference between these two waters is literally how the molecules organize themselves. So I wanted to have a conversation and start from more like the quote unquote gross level. And then we can go real into the body, into our sexuality even, and then even to the mystical. But um, yeah, if you could speak to this, please.
1: Yeah, beautifully said. You outlined that so perfectly. Um, It's true. Water does have these different um, forms, And there's structured and then there's unstructured. And it's really important to understand that water wants to be structured. That water's natural um, inclination is to create these beautiful shapes. And what we you know, what I like to say is that, yes, water is a crystal and water has the ability to hold information. And some people might think, oh, that's really out there. But if we think about it, right, we use quartz crystal silica in computers in our modern technology to send and store and receive information. And water has a similar ability, but it's more fluid. And if you look into some of the work, Dr. Emoto is really popular, but also Marcel Vogel and look at different scientists, what they've done is put water under really intense microscopes. And so you can actually see these water crystals because we can talk about it, but it's another thing to, wow, actually see water when it's in this crystalline shape. And so water has the ability when it's in this crystalline shape to be more conductive in our body, right? Water is the great, um, like she flows through our bloodstream and carries information and nutrients. And when our water isn't structured in our bodies, we're not going to have as high vitality of health. And so drinking structured water is vitally important. I like to say it's Gosh, even more important in certain ways than the foods that we're eating, because we're ninety nine percent water at the molecular level, um, and that's the level that we're working at with the, looking at with these crystals. It's the molecular level, like you said. And they love to form hexagon patterns, right? These beautiful six-sided shapes. And it kind of looks like snowflakes and all the different variety of snowflakes that can be seen, and can be found and shown. And so my favorite thing about water and the, the crystal uh, structure of water is the research that's been done on consciousness and the way that consciousness affects water in the impact that we can have as humans um, when we speak to water, when we work with water, and then what creates more structured water and what creates the bulk water. And the bulk water is disorganized, right? It doesn't form the crystalline shapes and has a harder time receiving information, sharing information And so how do we create structured water? I think that is the greatest question at this time, especially when there's so much bulk water on the planet right now due to our modern misunderstanding of what water is. And the water that flows out of most taps is bulk water. Um, But nature, she she creates structured water. So the water in the oceans and spring water and certain river water, if it's unpolluted, Um, but really it's uh, the purification. So purifying the water of toxins and then how mineralized is it? Water likes to have minerals. This is part of what supports her to be fully healthy and structured and thriving. Water without minerals is, is lacking. And she will actually try and take minerals from the body or the the earth all around her to create that within herself. Um, And then the next part is structuring. So in nature, water loves to move in vortexes, right? Water is always spiraling. And this generates uh, structured water. And so when we're looking at um, structuring water, it's really important to, I believe, drink spring water. Um, Because spring water comes up from the aquifers deep within the earth. And there's different kinds of spring water, of course. There's different qualities. Um, There's certain water that's called primary water. And it's said that this water actually has been below the surface of the earth um, for so long. It's never been through the hydrological cycle. Um, And then there's some aquifers that do have rainwater that seep into it and through Um, But what I love about the spring water is that water defies gravity and moves up through those layers of rock and dirt and all the way up to bubble, um, fully structured onto the surface of the earth for us to enjoy as humans. And it's such a primal, beautiful experience to drink this water. And when I started drinking fresh living spring water, I could immediately feel the difference in my body. And since then, I have not been able to go back to any other water I can fully feel when water does not feel alive or vital. And I drink it, it goes in my mouth. and like, wow, I really feel this difference. So the water we drink is utmost importance. And then there's things that we can do to support water to be in its highest vitality before we drink it as well. Um, Some of those things are structuring so we can put it through spiral um, vortex machines or just spiral it ourselves we can bless the water speak to the water chant over the water Um, we can add crystals to the water we can add uh, shungi it's a great one i love adding quartz to my water we can also put minerals in it Um, some people love to add salt for the conductivity there's so many ways that we can Support water to be more structured and more mineralized, depending, of course, whether we get the spring water or the top water. So there's infinite directions that I feel like we could go from here. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to hear your your thoughts and reflections.
0: Uh, well, I mean, your complete answer almost touched on every point I wanted to spiral off and out to. So it just makes me so excited for our listeners and. So let, let's begin back to where I started the question just for people who are listening to this and a new to this topic and you've put it so eloquently, right? There's structured water, which is the healthiest water. And like you just elucidated is really analogous to a crystal. What constitutes a crystal, right? Is the pattern in which the molecules are arranged. So, for example, like a quartz, the way the molecules are arranged, it gives them a certain empowerment, a property. Quartz happens to be piezoelectric. So when you squeeze it, it produces electricity, where in ruby can literally unite light all due to the arrangement of the molecules. The same example that I love is when, um, you talk about carbon, right? Like carbon when it is, um, put together in a certain way can become a pencil and become like graphite and it's like really soft. That's because the molecules are arranged in one pattern. But then if you take it and arrange carbon and the molecules simply put them in a different pattern in a different way, it becomes a diamond, which is the opposite. It's like the strongest thing on earth. So this is really analogous to what Dakota you're talking about, that arrangement of the crystals on that molecular level determines whether the water is really life-enhancing for us, aka structured, or if it's that bulk water, which as you cited, you know, most of our water now that we're ingesting is not uh, the case because of the pollutants. And so thank you for offering. And I want to dive deeper a little bit later into even more wisdom of ways we can improve the water that we're intaking, but there are just so many points that you brought up that I love to, to take to the next level of conversation. You spoke of Dr. Moto's work. Some of our listeners might've heard his work. He's written several books. My favorite's The Hidden Messages, um, where he talks about his journey as a scientist on the microscopic level to look at these crystal patterns in frozen water under microscopes. And, you know, maybe you can even share a little bit. I'll share what I, what I know and love about his work was that he took water from clear springs and water that was exposed to loving words and kindness in his laboratory. And when this water was exposed to those ideas, those feelings, and those words of kindness, you know, things like compassion, love, you are wonderful, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, all these, you know, things that we think of as beauty and kindness and goodness and light. Um, The crystals show these brilliant, complex and colorful snowflake-like patterns. And then in contrast, in his laboratory, when he took polluted water or even the same water that was used in the other experiment, saying positive things and uplifting things, the same water was exposed to negative thoughts and phrases and things like, I'll kill you or you suck or, you know, things like that. Um, the asymmetrical patterns became really dull and diminished and incomplete you know the implications of this talk about the one of the inherent qualities and empowerments of water and how receptive it is and how impressionable it is and whatever it's given right water if it's so open you know if we give it pollution it takes the pollution if we give it like you talked about minerals and crystals and, and nutrients then it receives it and um his experiments are incredible because he was really proving this, that water is affected by words and by
1: feelings. And it's just so mm-hmm. mind-blowing. So It really you. is. I remember it's so beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, I remember first discovering his work and being like, wow, this makes so much sense. And one of my favorite one of the experiments that he did, I think it was a lake, maybe you remember in Japan, Um, But anyway, the lake was very polluted and he got together a group of, you know, a hundred people around the lake and all prayed together and sent loving intent and energy into the lake and took samples before and after and looked at the water crystals under a microscope. And after the prayer, after the blessing, you could see the water was structured. And it's so amazing because it sounds kind of unbelievable you know it sounds like gosh is that really true mm-hmm. but then you start looking at the research and seeing wow this is true and if this is true it has huge huge implication for our lives and impact and i really feel though where the rubber meets the road is applying this in our own lives and like we talked about at the beginning of the call you know feeling the difference ourselves and the difference when we start blessing water Every single day. And that's one of the things I recommend everyone to do is first thing in the morning, have a glass of water, infuse it with your prayers, with your intention, and doing this every day consistently, it changed my life and has changed so many others. And I feel it's a simple form of empowerment that is really needed in these times, especially The times we're dealing with now where a lot can feel out of control and having this uh, communion is such an anchor point. And it also helps us to understand the power of ancient prayer. You know, religions and spirituality talking about the power of prayer and blessings. And now we get to see a little bit of the science of why this works and how this works. Because if we're 99% water at the molecular level, the prayers and the blessings that we do on ourselves and others, um, that's powerful. And same with curses. So it's really important that, you know, we look at ourselves, we look at the thoughts that we have that are on repeat, we look at, um the emotions and kind of i like to say the tapes or the programs that are running in the waters of our own body because you are a living water crystal as well and i like to say that if i'm the crystal life is you know a reflection of that and so if i don't like an aspect of my reality i'm going to go inside and look at the waters in my body work with the waters in my body and see that shift Of course, it's always important as well to address the external, but I love to first go within and see where it is within myself, because water is also a mirror. Water is, um, you know, the original mirror. If you look into a pond or a lake, you see your reflection, right? And so what is life mirroring to us? It's a little more mystical, but just beginning with prayer, with blessing the water and, it's so beautiful as well to offer this to your children and to your family and show them pictures of the water crystals. Kids get so excited and so (laughs) into it. And it's such a relatable thing that we can share with just about everybody. It's so
0: true. It's so true. I I was showing my kids pictures the other day in, in anticipation of this call and they've seen them before when they were a lot younger, but particularly my younger two hadn't remembered. And, um, It's just incredible, these Mm. pictures of emotos. And I love how you spoke of the morning ritual because it's something I speak of a lot, just how that morning time is such a window of opportunity. It's just like Mm. the most potent time I, I think of it like almost like the spiritual group home where you can get like the most out of your <laughs> practices in a certain sense because your energetic field has been cleared and you've your body has been rested and rejuvenated. So there's this understanding in the span of so many spiritual traditions that the morning time is really potent and auspicious and a time where your practices and your thoughts and your intentions can be completely maximized, because you've come from this almost like a beautiful, clear, clean slate place. And so much of being a mystic to me is is this conscious living. And I'm such a fan of in the morning, having some kind of ritual. And as you spoke so eloquently earlier of, you know, letting that no season what that ritual be birthed from inside what works for you and what's calling to you, but making a part of that in the morning is such a great thing. I mean, from an Ayurvedic standpoint, you know, it said one should wake up and and drink a glass of, of water, specifically lemon water is optimal just before you even start your day and making movement. But the idea of putting intention or prayer Into the water, um, like the science is now proven, it will change it on a molecular level. And then, you know, we ingest it and then we can even offer it outside, which I know you're a big proponent of as well. And that's another thing I'd love for you to speak about other ways we can, like you say, make things concrete. That's what a modern mystic does, right? Makes things Mm -hmm. accessible and relatable to our own consciousness to help move us forward in a tangible, clear, embodied way. So Mm -hmm. what are other just little tidbits you could offer in the way of integrating this practice of harnessing the energies of water and our relationship
1: with water in day-to-day life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you said about the morning practice too. It's so true. It's like you really do have that clean slate and energetically feel so much more spaciousness and alignment. Um, So yeah, the daily water ritual, drinking the water. And then I also recommend keeping a daily water altar practice and so what I mean by that is having a bowl of water and I prefer it to be spring water or rain water or ocean water some kind of water that is from nature that is more structured than just the water that comes out of your tap and then with this water going to it every day and saying prayers for humanity prayers for the planet prayers for the collective And so every morning I go to this bowl of water, I say those prayers, and then I bring it outside and I do a water offering where I put a little bit of the water back to the earth and I do a visualization of imagining all the waters on the planet, really receiving those prayers and activating to their highest crystalline potential. And then I do this with the same bowl of water for a whole month. And then on the new moon, I'll offer the entire water bowl back to the earth and then refill it again. So for me, these two anchor points of praying over the water for myself, and then also doing prayers for the collective have really been life-changing. And then beyond that, constantly recognizing every moment throughout your day when you are interacting with water. And it's, it's pretty much constantly if you realize that, you know, water is in the plants and in the air and in the earth beneath you and the water when you wash your hands or when you take a shower or when you do the dishes and really becoming conscious and aware of how much water is around you and within you. And so from that place, I love to just say blessings. And of course, you know, you can say it internally. You don't, if you're at work or something, that might might be a little bit weird if you're just, you know, praying constantly. Um, But just turning those thoughts to gratitude and to love. And, you know, Dr. Emoto showed with the water crystals that the... Frequencies that create the most beautiful and structured patterns are the frequencies of love and gratitude. And it's not even so much the words. Yes, the words are so important. It's really embodying the frequency, the energy, the emotion. And so, another aspect to be aware of is when we are doing these blessings over water that we are aware of our energy and our emotion and our frequency. So not just speaking the words kind of, you know, without intent, but really feeling when you're praying that love and gratitude, you're feeling that love and gratitude within you. Um, and for me personally, throughout the day, I love to watch my thoughts because we're constantly programming the waters of our body with our thoughts And if we want to up-level the waters of our body, we need to change the way that we're structuring ourselves through our emotion, through our thoughts. Um, I love to do this, and I'm feeling a little bit funky. I love to shake and twirl. Water loves to be in motion, right? She loves to spiral Um, to move. And so I love to go outside and I'll shake my hips or I'll shake my body out and I'll spiral and twirl. And it's like this reset. I really feel it in the waters of my being in my body. So that's an amazing tool. Um, Prayer, shaking, intention, the waters we drink. And then if you want to go um, take it further, there's so many infinite rituals. And beautiful ways to connect with water even deeper. And I recommend going to a specific water spot in your area, whether that is the ocean or a special river or a spring or a waterfall and recognizing that the water in this place has a specific frequency, right? Just like you talked about all the different kinds of crystals holding different geometric patterns and therefore having different uh, energy, different properties same with water in all these different places and another aspect is that water is literally the portal between the physical and the non-physical so all of us right all of us came through the womb We were born from the sacred waters of our parents, that sexual fluid, and grew inside the amniotic sac, the waters of our mother's womb. So even us, we came through the waters to receive this body and to be born as a human on this planet. And water is the medium right, through which light and frequency can be embodied on the planet. And I remember when I was 18, I went to New Zealand and I had this really beautiful six month traveling journey. And I realized that everything in the world is vibration, right? Everything is energy that's vibrating. But what had yet to click for me in that moment is that what makes it living, like how plants are living and flowers are living and and humans, right? We're living is the quality of it being inside of the water, And that's what animates the spirit into the physical realm. And as humans, we really only perceive a small bandwidth of what is happening around us, like less than 1% of the visible light spectrum we perceive. So there's so much more happening. And this is really where the water magic ties into the modern mysticism is because when I've had these experiences of doing bigger water blessings or rituals to bodies of water, like a a waterfall or the ocean, like I just mentioned, um, what happens is that I will actually feel and start to perceive um, different kinds of energy. And this is a little more mystical, but we are on the Modern Mystic Podcast, so I do want to share about it. Bring Um, it, yeah. (laughs) But I believe that every body of water also has water spirits or guardians, right? There's all these legends of water nagas, which are water dragons, and there's water nymphs, and all these different elements of water uh, spirits. And so when we go to a place also recognizing that there could be a water spirit or a guardian. For example, here on the islands of Hawaii, where I live, there are the mo'o or the water dragon lizard people. And there's a very special place that is guarded by a dragon, by a mo'o dragon. And I personally haven't seen because I work more with the feeling sense, um, but I have felt the presence so strongly and had some really powerful experiences uh communing on an energetic level and so this is what i wanted to say is when you go to a body of water recognize that also there's so much more happening than what you can see so the act of ritual or ceremony is getting in touch with that unseen realm with that spirit realm with the other world it's often said that water is a portal to the other realms right just like we came through the portal of our mother. So, on a basic level, we commune with the and receive information in basic ways, like when we're taking a shower. Have you ever noticed how when we're in the shower, it's easier to sing? Everyone likes to sing in the shower or sing in the bath. And I believe it's because water is that portal, right? And so there's the ability to receive more information. And that's another beautiful thing. Water loves to be sung to. So chanting, singing, there's a beautiful um, mantra that I love to share called Vav Mem Bet. It's um, one that Gabriel Cousins shares in his book, Spiritual Nutrition, and it's a Hebrew chant that was kept secret, actually, for a long time, but just made available um, to the public because it's so powerful for blessing water, for cleansing water. So, looking at water... Through this lens, as not just this substance, but as this living liquid crystal, like we talked about, and then also as a portal, and you using ritual, using ceremony to connect deeper, to channel information, to receive insights, to harmonize with the land. And this is another piece. It's like in our modern age, we've Oh, we, A lot of us have moved so much, we've become disconnected from our ancestors and from the place that we live. And in ancient times, we would never settle somewhere unless there was water that we could drink, right? We were so directly connected to water. We needed where we settled to have beautiful, pure water. And so recognizing this as well and seeing if there is a spring or if there is a well in your area and actually going there to see water coming up out of the ground. It's so powerful and so impactful to have this ancient connection with water and then to drink that water. Um, And there's a beautiful resource called findaspring.com. You can go on there and look up springs around the world and I highly recommend doing that and going. And when you go, really connecting to the spring, bring an offering. I love to offer crystals, flowers, songs, you can dance. I also love to offer a bit of my DNA, so whether that be one of my hairs or some saliva, um, but really communing with the water and saying, "Hey, here's the waters of my body and offering that as well. Mm. Mm, thank you for that
0: completely abundant and rich answer. Just so many gorgeous and powerful points you made, and I'm sure our listeners are rewinding and and going to be writing things down. Uh, like you said, you know, we really do interface with the element of water throughout our day so much, and perhaps you know more and the most, you could argue, in some sense. I mean, there's air too, of course, that we're breathing. But it's really, really interesting to to start from that, I think, really accessible, simple place, as you stated, of when you're washing dishes, of when you're doing laundry, of just being cognizant and conscious of the elements when you're working with it, as you already do in your day-to-day life. And then beginning from there, that mindful living, that feeling the warmth of the water when you're doing the dishes, right? Because that takes you into the present moment. And that's what the elements and working with them can do, right? They bring you and deliver you back to the present moment where life is Mm. lived. One of the practices I love is in the yogic tradition, it's called abhishek. And it's the washing of one's own body, or it is often the washing of a, a... an enlivened statue of a deity, Devi Deva. And one can do it with the, that knowledge with oneself. When one is taking a shower, that this body is not just a, a mere body, but this body is a, a house and a boat and a temple of the sacred of the mm. life force of the divine. And so when I'm taking a shower or taking a bath, just really consciously washing myself. And just with those thoughts, just with that knowledge it makes the experience completely different. I remember mm. with one of my kids who didn't love to take the bath when they were little, I would repeat aloud, Oh, it's an Abhishek, Abhishek. And immediately he'd go, Oh, and he'd get joyful. Oh. <laughs> when I would talk, you were, you were a temple and guess what? And there's this magic in you. And so that's, that's another. Oh, that's so to add beautiful. Your, uh, I love so many of, of the ones you spoke of and that whole idea of of course then seeking out the water nearby um which mm-hmm. is also so profound and and like you said with the saliva I hadn't heard that one and that's really really gorgeous like yeah when I just so my nature, it. Nose, nose were were with it and it's really powerful
1: Exactly. Yeah. When I sent my saliva to 23andMe for a DNA test and they told me all about my ancestors just from sending them some spit, I realized that spit is sacred and that it holds so much information. And that's when I really realized, okay, yes, this is a beautiful offering. Um, and doing that uh, with more intention. But I love what you mentioned about the washing intentionally. This is a practice that I absolutely love. And it's one that I recommend actually for lovers to do is ritual washing. And if you even want to do it um, outside of the bath or shower, it can be really powerful to hold an intention for something energetic that you want to wash away. Because the magic of water, of course, is that she's a purifier, right? She washes us clean of dirt and grime, but not just on a physical level. She also washes us clean on an energetic and on a spiritual level. And that's why so many of the spiritual traditions around the world, I want to say all spiritual traditions around the world, they have practices of purification through water, like the mikveh in the Jewish tradition or classic baptism, in the Christian tradition. Even a lot of the ancient goddess temples that have been found in Greece and in Europe, there were pools, like remnants of pools that have been found. And I'm like, wow, I remember what those are for. Uh, but a beautiful mm-hmm. practice to do is to sit with your beloved and ask, you know, what is something that is a burden on you right now in your spirit? And to do a water ritual washing where you have them lay down on the bed, you have a beautiful bowl of living structured water that you got from the spring or the rain, and then a washcloth and have them get naked and pray into the water um, and ask the water to wash them clean of this burden. And then to ceremonially and with intention, with presence, I love that you touched on the presence, that's the most important quality. Um, with that presence to wash them from head to toe with the washcloth. And it is so profound. It's so simple, but so powerful and something that you really feel um, you feel the lightness and the change in the energy mm. after.
0: And I love that. It's such a beautiful offering as a way to to go deeper with one's beloved and or you can do it yourself. You know, we are. Exactly. Teachers, you said, so that's a, that's a gorgeous offering. Thank you for mm-hmm. punctuating.
1: Um,
0: you can absolutely do it on yourself. That. Love yeah. It. I, I I love how you spoke of just so many traditions, right? Water is such a, you know, sacred item that is used, like you mentioned, Baptisms or even like bathing in the Ganges and rituals um, are performed in that intersectionality of ritual, um, religion, celebration, spirituality, and even the creation stories, right? I mean, I've oh, heard of, exactly. of from the African tradition, Native American tradition, you know, I, I would venture to say all. I'm not an expert in this topic, but many significant and definitely the majority, right? Start with water. And even yes. scientists now are talking about this. Have you heard this? This liquid black now they've discovered. Like before the Big Bang, now they're starting to speak of, oh, there was some kind of like liquid black, they're calling. It. <laughs> so
1: oh, that's just so the, beautiful. We're just yeah. discovering. And- we are just discovering yeah and that's the thing you know it's it's beautiful to understand with the mind and also the mind is such a small part of creation that to expect it to understand everything it's impossible Um, But I I loved how you said that 1%, like how we're only perceiving 1%. And I
0: think we maybe (laughs) even know
1: less than 1% like
0: with our our human
1: mind. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that's why when you have those mystical experiences, it's so profound because you feel it in your bones. You're like, this is truth. I don't need someone to tell it to me. I don't need, you know, to read it in a book. Like I feel it in my bones. I feel it in the depth of my being. And to me, like that's the most invaluable experience. But I just want to go back to what you said about the creation stories, because it's true. Every, almost everyone that I've ever heard says in the beginning, there was water. And even in the Bible, they say, and then the light shone upon the face of the water. It's like the water was the primordial soup from which we're all born. And mm-hmm. in the you know Kogi tradition, the Aluna—that's what they called it. This great water, this great blackness from which everything came. So it's so beautiful to hear from you, though, that science has uh, started to say that we come from the liquid black. I'm excited to research that. I hadn't heard that before.
0: Oh yeah, it's isn't it amazing? And and it's just that's it. So many to me revelations in science. I'll laugh because I was brought up in a, a very um, mystical slash yogic spiritual household. And so I always joke with my husband who has a scientific background and grew up that way. Like, oh, like, yeah, you're all just catching up with these things we've known for thousands of years. <laughs> um, but I love, you know, what I want to highlight pretty... for the listeners too, when you said, and I said about this, you know, we're, we're made up on this molecular level over 95% of water. You know, water molecules are small for those listeners saying, well, how is this possible, right? So there's a lot of them. When you're talking a more gross surface level, it's said, and and tell me if this is approximately the numbers you've heard. Physically, we're approximately when we're born about 90% water. And then as we come into adulthood, you know, it can decrease down to about 70%. But this is scientific hard fact that we are more water on one level of reality in in the yogic tradition. It's called the anamaya kosha level, the the outer sheath layer of self. We're more water than the other elements, even though the understanding is we are all the elements, and then there the are many layers of self. But that's like mind blowing. Like n- whether you consider yourself a mystic or not, this is like. Irrefutable information that we are more one <laughs> yeah. than any other element, right? <laughs> exactly. Is, it's incredible. And I'd love even to speak about because you had alluded to him, and I want to make sure that we don't forget to get back to him for those listening who are more scientifically minded or interested uh, in exploring that avenue of Dr. Marcel Vogel's work, who I love. And you mentioned him, and he was an IBM employee, you know, won copious amounts of award, really visionary genius type. And he was their liquid crystallographer. And he worked on the magnetic hard drive systems. And so when you were talking about crystals, right, he was this amazing, brilliant scientist who saw this connection between crystals and water. And and he's partly responsible for the ways that our c- computer screens or they're fluid, they're flexible because of the liquid crystal that IBM and computers use. And once he started really understanding that there's structures and crystals that determine their properties as we spoke of, and their structures in water that make it more amenable and healthy and not, and that water is so receptive, then he started to make that leap towards later in his life of that connection between consciousness and how we can take responsibility for structuring our internal thought patterns and thinking on the inside and how the mirroring structures and patterns are found in all three. And yes, it, it's just so incredible. Like, I just want to really highlight to people like these patterns you know, they're not just mystical and esoteric. Like they're giving us our modern day concrete technology, these the, the inspiration from water. And then if you start to contemplate the idea that like water contains all the crystal patterns and thus all the possibilities of water, like what are they? They're they're Oh, amazing. I love that. And what, yes. what's Possible, right through, through uh, if we look at the lens of water because even like you had mentioned so many amazing things like with the environmental crisis for example oh I gosh. feel like we are always talking about the excess of carbon dioxide which of course is exceedingly important but I feel like with all the seemingly latent potential of water and now knowing about the knowledge what are the potential endless possibilities of, of the patterning that we mentioned. And I feel oh, like we should infinite. be focusing on water, right?
1: Equally in the way of the solution. I have the deepest chills right now. I agree with you beyond 100%. And just as a little side note, um, one of my dear friends, best friends that lives in Europe, he actually has successfully gotten an electric bike to run on water. Hydrogen, the hydrogen in the water. So of course, you know, these things, they have to be kept under wraps because as we know what happens to people that create life-changing technologies, a lot of times their labs get destroyed or they get killed. So that's why a lot of these things are really kept a secret until they're um, ready to be revealed. But I believe that there's so much that's happening right now. Like as much as the news says it's all doom and gloom and who knows what's going to happen. Like I believe there's just as much beauty and magic that's happening, that people are creating, and new technologies that Mm. do work with the water and the potential of the hydrogen. And I love what you said, too, about, you know, really being aware of the environmental aspect. And this is something else I just want to touch on briefly, because it's so important. You know, being really aware of of course what we're purchasing and how that impacts water because when we purchase food that's been you know created with pesticides those pesticides all go into the water supply when we purchase clothes that are manufactured in huge factories and those dyes go into the rivers like that affects the water um, when we use laundry detergent, that is toxic, that goes directly into the water. So it's really vitally important that we take this activism, this water activism into our own lives. What kind of shampoo and soap and all these different pieces are we using in our own homes? Um, and what are we purchasing? What are we choosing with our dollar? And are we standing for water? And then, of course, Mm -hmm. there's also, you know, fracking, which is affecting water. And there's so much that's happening on a bigger scale um, that, you know, we can't really affect that much um, unless we're going out and protesting fracking. But there's so much that we can do. So instead Mm -hmm. of feeling overwhelmed and helpless, just feeling empowered, like, wow, there is so much that you can do at home. That's so inspiring. And thank you for for
0: speaking of those things, because we're talking about a relationship with water, right? And there are all these aspects of relationship. And, you know, as I s- or initiated the conversation early on, right, we want to go spiritual, but then we want to go be modernistic. And part of being a modernistic is being concrete and, and really smart and intelligent and embodied and really interacting with the world we live in. And so thank you for bringing consciousness and, and awareness to those choices that we can make and reflect and deepen. And I think too, it's fascinating to me. I think if you are economically privileged, um, temporally privileged (laughs) Mm. um, that, you know, a lot of people in this, in this sector, which I would include myself for sure in who are thinking about healthy, quote unquote, conscious choices Focus a lot of our energy on food, and you mentioned food—you know, organic, local—and this is so important because we vote with our dollars and our dollars and our choices as consumers represent the inner reflections of what we believe in. And then, of course, we're trying to be more healthy, and, and it's just a blessing if you can do that and have the means to do that. But how much of our our consciousness is thinking about the water we're drinking? Like, I feel like people talk a lot about food. But not so much about water, and I would put myself, you know, in that in that um, category for sure. Where you know, I've had the purifier, I've looked at the more expensive stuff, then I then I put it, you know, on hold. Then I go back to it. But it's mm. something that I feel like food is much more in people's consciousness to think about in the way of health. But we really should be thinking about our water probably equally, right?
1: Oh, I'd say even more because the mm-hmm. water that we drink becomes our blood in under five minutes. And the water that we drink, you know, we're mostly water. And I believe that what we actually ex- extract, when you think about it, we eat food, right? But what are we actually taking out of that food? We're not taking the solid mass, we're taking out the water and the minerals and the electrolytes or the enzymes. Like we're taking out those elements and then excreting the solid so thinking about the water also in the food that we're eating so eating Mm. food that has a high water content so that's Mm. why eating a lot of you know organic raw food is really amazing because it has that structured water in it specifically you know the fruits if you cut a watermelon you look at the you hold it under the sun you can see it's like this living pink water crystal it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. um so looking at water of looking at food through the water lens and saying, oh, what kind of water does this food have? Um, but then yes, like the water that we drink is really of the utmost importance to our health. And like I mentioned earlier, I really just, I can't say enough good things about spring water and the empowerment that I've experienced through drinking it but also going to get it and the pilgrimage that that is my partner and i go once a week to go gather our water and you know i know it's the privilege that not everyone has access to but i've driven for hours to go get water and Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: Well, well it's fascinating too because there was a time right where that was a thing that we had to do so people would Commune and go gather water, like for the villages. So, like more time than yeah. not, as humans on this planet, that actually was a practice. It's just one of those practices in modern day with all the conveniences we've lost. Um, now, for people like like me with three kids who like have temporal less, when you say like, oh, I, I go for three hours and like I can barely like find time to take a oh, shower. Totally. What, yeah. what? 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 Like, what can we do? And what do you recommend? That's a notch up from, like, say, a Brita filter, which, like, I know I, I've been polling people in my life pre this interview, and like m- more than seventy-five percent of the people I know like think Brita filters enough. So talk oh, to really? talk to us, like please, like elevate oh, us. Wow. Now I am on East Coast, but it's a, um, I, I do yeah. hang out with pretty amazing elevated people.
1: So what? Tell us
0: the next level for those listeners.
1: Okay. Yes, absolutely. So of course, it depends on your budget. Um, if you have uh, infinite, you know, re- reasonable abundance, and I just want to say as well, like this really is the cornerstone of health. So if there's any way that you can prioritize the health of your water, that's going to make you healthier on every level. Um, So what I recommend, um, well, I recommend two things. On the East Coast, there's an amazing raw spring water service. It's called Tourmaline Spring. And they have incredible water, some of the best water in the whole entire country. So go check them out tourmaline spring, get that water sent to you, you will feel the difference. It is pure magic Um, because most spring water is treated, um, bottled spring water is treated to be shelf stable. For example, you put it in plastic and hot trucks brought to hot warehouses and they have to um, kill it essentially. So that way it doesn't grow algae. But if you think AKA, about it, AKA
0: to our listeners, I just want to um, drive home the point. So that is called bulk water. Now we know this. It does not have a lot of structure and it's molecules and crystals. Okay. Thank you. Exactly.
1: Yep. And it also can't even sustain the most basic life. Like it wouldn't even grow algae. If you put it out in the sun. So Uh, when we think about it, this raw spring water, it is living. It has the ability to support life, aka you when you drink it. So this spring water company is amazing because it's raw. Uh, My partner also has an amazing spring water, raw spring water company out of uh, California. It's called AliveWaters.com. And those are the only two bottled water companies that I really recommend because even Mountain Mm -hmm. Valley, um, they treat their water. Also, it's hot spring water and they just sold out to like sparklets or some kind of big corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I recommend as far as bottled water. Um, the great thing, my God, I could go so much into that. That's all I'll say about that part. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to do something directly at your home, uh, as far as a filtration system, I've been doing a lot of research. Oh my gosh, there's so many different, uh, devices and suggestions and, you know, everyone has their opinion, but what I, what I, uh, have been recommending lately is the pristine hydro. Um, And what they do is they purify the water, they remineralize the water, and then they restructure the water. So they get it back to that, you know, as good as you can with tap water, that living crystalline, liquid crystalline state. And And what is that? Is that a filter? Yeah, it's an under-the-counter filter. And you can put that on and it's super easy. And... The great thing about that is, of course, you can also wash your dishes in it and you can cook your, you know, your vegetables in it. And that water just comes out of your sink. And it's also way more affordable um, than a lot of other machines. I think it's like it's under two grand. I know Kangen machines, for example, can, gosh, run up to like five grand. And yeah. so that's what I've been recommending.
0: Great. Those are so helpful. And I'll put all the references to the different experiments and all sorts of resources about the, the specific ways we can get water in the show notes for everybody. There's still so much to talk about. One thing I want to go back to though, because I think it's really, really fascinating. And you spoke of it, um, is the idea of how, you know, water is connected to our parents who, like you mentioned, birthed us in water, you know, and then we were with their really love waters, right? And then we um, were in the amniotic fluid sac of our mother's waters. And then we are birthed and we only sustain ourselves on, you know, some kind of liquid, optimally breast milk, but not everybody. But it's still, we can only drink fluid uh, in the beginning of our lives. And then we individuate And it's said in the yogic tradition that the element of water then starts to become consecrated in our bodies and developed really at this time, right after we start, right around really when we take solid food. Now, of course, that can vary. But in that like six, nine month range, when humans are able to start to work um, with food, that's when our second chakras become developed. The, um, the second chakra, chakra is an energy processing center, is called Swadhisthana, and it lives right below one's navel, and it's associated with the element of water. It's associated with our creativity. It's associated with our ability to flow, to be fluid, flexible, accommodating, receptive so many qualities and our sexuality and our emotions. So I want to really hone in on particularly our emotions and sexuality um, in this conversation, because so much of the wisdom work that you're offering this world that I really think is so unique is in this arena, empowering people. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: I I was hoping that you could start there and talk about sacred sexuality. I practice tantric yoga where you know, lovemaking is not shunned. And every act really in life can be a sacred act when conscious, like we spoke of earlier. And so I love you, please, to speak about this area of your great expertise mm-hmm. as, as lovemaking and as when we share our waters, how this can be a sacred act, this chakra, sacred ejaculation for both males and females, wherever mm-hmm. you want to start.
1: Yeah, I love what you said about the chakra development. I didn't realize that. That was really fascinating to receive. Thank you. Um, Yes, as we know, know, the power of our sexuality is profound. It's how each and every one of us got to this planet, um, was through that act, that act of creation. And I really love to speak to the power of water in sexuality. uh, Because when we are making love with another person, we're mixing our waters. Right. There's all that fluid. There's the, um, of course, there's the pre-ejaculate in men, there's the um, pre-ejaculate in women, there's male ejaculate, and then there's also female ejaculation. And our waters, like we talked about earlier with the saliva, they contain information about us. So our DNA. And I like to say that sex is the greatest form of communication because you're communicating things through the waters that are being exchanged between you um, that could never be said in words. Things that you might not even know about your own self. Things from your ancestry. So, when our waters mix with another person, it's this great communication. And I also believe that that's why it's so much comes up in relationship, right? It's the great mirror. Our waters are mirroring each other. We're having that opportunity to see the shadows and the things that might not be brought up in any other container. And that's such beautiful alchemy and it's so powerful. And I specifically love to teach women around the sacredness of their sexual waters and that of their female ejaculation, which I refer to as amrita um, or nectar. And this water um, has the potential to flow from most women. And a lot of times it's thought of as myth. Female ejaculation is just pee. It's not real. Um, but ultimately, that's, it's not true. Um, It's very real. I've been having them since I was 15. I've spoken to hundreds of women around the world and supported so many around the world to have them. And it's such a powerful form of water. And because like we talked about earlier, water being that living liquid crystal, holding information, when we think about it, right, we think about the magic of having water pour out of our yonis at the height of orgasm. And think about the power inside of that water, the bliss, the ecstasy, the joy, like what the frequency is of that water that is so profound. And may and I just interject because I just want to really
0: um, honor what you're saying and highlight it because as you mentioned, there are sacred waters of masculine and feminine, but it's just so beautiful to hear someone speak about the the wealth of female waters, because we know as a culture, as a society, okay, the, the semen, the ironically, right? Seamen, semen, you know, mm-hmm. the value. So this conversation is, we, we, we is honoring that. We know this, we know there's value. We know it creates life, but in our more patriarchal slanted society, right? Female waters aren't honored in the same way. They aren't held up in that same way. So like, I just want to thank exactly. you and honor this. Also Yoni, could um is is the well why don't let, let you speak of yoni for our listeners who might not know that term
1: yeah absolutely um so yoni is a sanskrit word and it means portal right or opening mm-hmm.
0: exactly yeah.
1: yeah and i just love this because it's such uh the meaning of it is so much more beautiful than vagina which i think means sheet mm-hmm. for a sword which is just awful it's a horrible oh. thing to call oh, such a sacred I hadn't place heard that ah uh, so yeah so that. so i love to say yoni <laughs> for if we're, if we're programming our waters i want it to be that that beautiful portal that's opening we're all gonna we're all gonna only say yoni from now <laughs> i actually only say yoni but everyone from now on program your people only yoni okay thank you keep going <laughs> <laughs> totally and i love what you said it's so true you know we, we know the power of male ejaculate Um, But female ejaculate, we're in this place at the modern time where it's thought of as not even being real by a lot of science. So it's it's just baffling to me. Um, But something that I love to share is that back in ancient Greece, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, he actually said that female ejaculate is just as important in the process of creating another human life as male semen. And this is something that he so strongly believed. Um, Aristotle didn't believe it though. And he believed that only the semen was important. And that's kind of the belief that's trickled down to us in this modern day and age. But I love to mention that because Amrita is something that can be found in ancient cultures around the world. There's beautiful statues in India that show this water flowing from a woman's yoni. There's, you know, pictures in art in ancient Japan, Um, There's a beautiful documentary, actually, I think it's called Sacred Waters. It's on um, a beautiful uh, documentary about Amritsa in Africa and Rwanda specifically, and how these people view it as sacred and such an important part of their culture. So Mm. this is something that we have been stripped of in the West. And what I've realized is that a lot of women, we mistake it, we think, oh, no, I have to pee. And then we hold back, we hold mm. those waters back when really, um, it's not pee. Most of the mm. time I go, I go deeply into this. Um, when I teach it, I don't know how much more time we have. Um, yeah, there's so many so more streams. I There's could go so into. many
0: streams, but the, the, let, let's g- let the listeners hear that, you know, for females, the, the, there is orgasm, you know, I, I, Heard and read that it's connected to a G spot orgasm for for females and males who are listening to this. Right, we should know that there, are, um, at minimal, three different types of orgasm: the clitoral orgasm, the G spot orgasm, and the cervical orgasm. Is that your your wise experience as well? Because this is this, this is your field of expertise.
1: Yeah. So those are the three types of orgasm. Um, however, there are infinite potentials. I've had nipple mm-hmm. orgasms and neck orgasms. You can have toe orgasms. Um, so, really recognizing that orgasmic capacity lives in so many different parts of our body. Um, but yes, the Amrita or the female ejaculate specifically comes through the G spot orgasm, or I like to say the black pearl. Um, the black pearl is mm-hmm. the Taoist word for the G-spot, which I just love so much more. It's so beautiful. Love, so that, it, love that. Yeah. So through stimulating the black pearl, this internal part of our yoni, um, and calling forth our waters, we are able to cultivate and have Amritsa orgasms. And mm-hmm. it's specifically um, generated through the schemes glands, And the Skene's glands are something that, um, you know, we we know that a man has a a prostate, a G-spot, right? And so typically it's thought that we as women don't. um, But we do have our own version, and those are the Skene's glands. And how we know that is they produce a substance called PSA, which is prostate-specific antigen. And that's the exact same substance that a man's prostate secretes. So our female bodies have that same potential, just in a different, a slightly different shape. So So, so it's empowering to know this, that we have this potential inside of our bodies. And I believe that it's also directly connected with emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Water is a great carrier of emotion, energy in motion. And so I found my Amrita to stop flowing, sometimes. um, A story I like to share is I had a really big heartbreak when I was 22 and my water stopped flowing. And it was only after I fully released this heartbreak and I cried and I let myself go into that grief and really released the grief that my orgasmic waters flowed. So I had to let my tears, my waters fall out my eyes before those waters would open up again um, in my sexuality. So I believe Mm. that our heart is directly connected Um, to our black pearl. And so a lot of the work, yeah, that I do with women in the Amrita course, which I teach how to cultivate Amrita, uh, is opening the heart and working with these energies and releasing um, stuck pain and trauma that's held inside of the black pearl and held inside of our bodies because there's Mm. so much there. Um, I think that's so, so amazing. The work that
0: you're doing and, the acknowledgement, particularly through females and the female anatomy, because even in the chakra system, which stems from the yogic tradition that we spoke of earlier, like earth and water chakras, those two lower chakras are associated with with feminine, particularly in Western astrology. Um, and then the fire and the air are typically more feminine, uh, excuse me, masculine. And I feel like our society, you know, it's patriarchy and isn't it so fiery and airy? And and you're speaking of emotions and second chakra, sexuality. And I think for women particularly, not all, of course, but a lot of women, you know, the way in towards the sexual sacred waters and the way in towards the orgasm and the way in even towards if you're tantric and playing with you know holding on to that sexuality for spiritual purposes or creative artistic purposes is through the emotions you know typically for women that's really really strong so that's really beautiful
1: that story you share thank you for that mm-hmm. um, wisdom so beautifully said and yeah i'm, tr- I'm sorry yeah, it's really important to honor, honor our emotions, honor our heart, honor that tenderness. Mm, so beautiful. Well, the last um, topic I just wanted to
0: touch on, and maybe we can close with this. I I feel like I need to have you on again, because I have like pages of more um, questions and things I want to talk yeah. about. So, so just completely um, elucidating and mind blowing the things that you're sharing, the work that you're doing. But I think that it's really fascinating that one of the archetypes right now and energies that has become more and more popular and widespread in the collective consciousness is that water friendly society um, called the Lemurian frequency. And for those listeners not familiar with this concept, Lemuria or the moon civilization is believed to have been a continent, maybe a land bridge, some say between southern India and southern Africa. So essentially right now where the Indian Ocean lives with pockets in places such as the South Pacific Islands, Easter Island, Fiji, New Zealand, Asia, Australia, and Hawaii, where you live. (laughs) And it's said that Mm -hmm. like Atlantis, it possibly sunk into the water with flooding and that the Lemurians are thought of that they were a really peaceful, highly intelligent, unharmonious race of people that existed millions of years ago and really, really deeply connected to water wisdom and water life and water love. And Lemuria itself is viewed as like a heaven on earth, Siddha a utopic place where all beings were seen as equal and deeply reverent to, to mother earth. So I'm curious if you could speak about this Lemurian idea frequency and offer your little gems of wisdom, which aren't
1: little at all. It's particularly that you live in Hawaii. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you really summed it up so beautifully. Thank you for that intro. For me, you know, it's so beautiful that people are connecting and wanting to know more about Lemuria. And I feel like the most important element is really the frequency and recognizing that wherever you are in the world, you can um, ask to connect to that frequency and to tap in. And of course it's easier in places like Hawaii. Um, I know, for example, when I first came to these islands, I had the most mystical experiences. And then I started hearing about how, for example, I live on the Island of Kauai and it said that the top of this, um, or the part that we're living on now was actually the very top of Lemuria. Um, The rest of it is below the sea, below the ocean. And that this part was like the high temples, the crystalline temples. And it says that all the island now is a temple. And I really feel that every time I go out into nature here and just being here, it has such a high frequency. It's also said to be the crown chakra of the planet. So Mm. recognizing yeah, recognizing this. And for me, Lumeria, that frequency is one of joy. Like you said, heaven on earth, um, harmony with the land. Um, and I feel like connecting with the dolphins and the whales are really helpful because I feel like they still carry those Lemurian codes of unity and um, connecting with sound and vibration really deeply. And so if you want to connect to Lumeria, I'd say listen to dolphin music listen to whale music, put that on in your house. Um,
0: That's such a great tip. And just even to build a relationship with water. I mean, like whale songs and dolphin songs are so cool. My son has someone on his synthesizer even, so he can hit notes and we can hear Wow! and make music that way. And that's, thank you for that tip. That's a great tip. And, and like you said, sound, the waves of sound and yoga, the understanding is that the, the the female energy and the goddess energy, an archetype that lives with each one of us because we both embody divine feminine and masculine, but rides on the waves of water. And like you put so beautifully with the Lemurian frequency of just holding the vision of, of unity and compassion and balance and right relationship with Punch mama, Mother Earth, and holding this vibration and holding this vision in our minds that this is really possible, right? It's like, it's mm-hmm. a remembrance. It's an old civilization. So mm-hmm. it's, right, the remembrance that that way of living more in harmony with the earth and connected to one another and heaven on earth is possible, So Um, it starts within, like you said, early on, it's a good way to wrap up the convo, right? It starts within and then also holding the vision without.
1: Mm, Mm. So beautifully said. It's so true. And just Mm. really remembering that you do make a difference. You know, every kind word, thought, everything you do, it does make a difference. Even if we don't see the impact on a global scale yet just remembering that and holding that vision and empowerment inside of our hearts.
0: Mm, So beautiful. Thank you for that remembrance, because like we said, you can go Google Emoto's work. Every word that we speak, even if it's unheard affects the water crystals and we are water. So it's affecting us. So change, Mm change that internal dialogue, keep that. Keep that aligned and everything will change. <laughs>
1: mm, so beautifully well, said.
0: Dakota, how can folks find because I'm sure after hearing this interview, they're all gonna be chomping at the bit.
1: Your illuminating work. Tell us. Oh, thank you, love. So good to speak with you today. Um, you can find everything at dakotachanel.com. I have a six-month Water Priestess Mystery School and a six-week Amrita Orgasm course. And I also hold retreats, Water Priestess retreats around the world. Um, and then social media, um, Instagram is I am Dakota Chanel. Fabulous. And Dakota
0: has so generously offered an amazing discount for all of my Patreon supporters at any donation level for her one-of-a-kind Amrita Orgasm course. So Head on over to my exciting Patreon page, patreon.com slash modern mystic love, where you can access my free PDF on how to create an intentionally based water ritual that can be done daily or once. You can also support this podcast at even the $5 a month level and get all sorts of amazing discounts and deals from all of my guests at every level of donation, plus my yoga and meditation videos as part of that. Also check out my website, modernmystic.love, where I sell my online videos of yoga, meditation and mindfulness as well. So Dakota, thank you so much for your visionary, um, truly profound and impactful work that is is pushing collective consciousness forward. Um, you know, when I saw your work, I'm like, wow, who is this? (laughs) Um, And and I can't wait to see what you continue to do, because you really are one of these people. And and I'm so grateful you're here on the podcast, because that is my vision for this podcast, who are literally pushing collective consciousness forward by leaps and bounds. So thank you so much for being here today with us.
1: Thank you so much. It's truly been an honor. Thank you so much for creating this beautiful platform Mm -hmm. where we all can learn and grow together. Namaste. Namaste.
0: Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page, at patreon.com slash modern mystic where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated, as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, ModernMysticLove where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.